podcast, The Journey Goes Ever On With The Long Road. This episode, a taste of Anglo-Americana. In this week's episode, I have a few more tastes of Anglo-Americana. Join us on The Vagabond Way to hear some more of it. Steve talks about the current state of play and the future of music performances online. And Kev takes us all to the west coast of America on the next stop at Kev's Cafe Corner in San Francisco. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bishline. Thanks for joining me, uh, Steve Bonham, the Vagabond Philosopher, and Kev the Big Man Moore for another episode. Big thanks to everyone who joined Steve on Facebook last night for another live music gig. Um, we're, we're still on lockdown. Uh, this is the only way, the only outlet that we can really use for live stuff right now. Uh, it's always nice to have supporters from literally around the world, um, you know, clapping virtually along. So thank you, everybody. Um, if any of you missed it and you want to catch up, the, the live video is there on the Facebook page. Just search for The Vagabond Way or Steve Bonham on the Long Road on Facebook and you should find it. About an hour, just under an hour or so of entertainment, something to take you, you know, someplace else for a bit. Um, some music, some chats, some jokes, usual stuff. Um, uh, you'll start to see this term Anglo-Americana popping up more and more, hopefully. Uh, we've been using it for the last few years ourselves. Um, we even called one of our EPs from a few years ago Anglo-Americana itself. Um, we think there's a, there's a growing trend toward this sort of music, um, this music influenced heavily by American music, but, you know, grown over here in the UK. Um, it's not quite country, but it's not English folk music. You know, it's, it's not blues, it's not jazz, it's, it's not rock, uh, but it's got certainly influences from, from all of those. Um, you know, as I talk about in the, uh, in the intro to the podcast each week, um, Anglo-Americana sort of embodies some of those traits, you know, the rich, real, gritty, the stories of common folk. Any genre label will either be too wide-ranging to be, you know, useful, really, um, or too darn specific to be known about by anybody except those who are already in the know. Uh, but hopefully with this term, Anglo-Americana, we're able to sort of mostly reach a balance. It's, it, it, it's a melting pot. Uh, it's a gumbo, a stew. Um, you know, it's a blend of influences and, and other genres and ideas. Um, so it's always a slight pain when we're uploading tracks to, to iTunes. And it gives you these pre this predetermined list of genres to choose from, and you have to try to pigeonhole your stuff. Um, I, I can't remember the whole list now; it's about twenty or thirty of them. Um, but I, I seem to remember that even even country, just as a genre, isn't on the list. Or or maybe it was maybe it's not maybe it's folk that's not on there. That maybe that's right. Um, we'd often end up picking you know singer songwriter as a as a kind of well, it's true. Someone wrote it, and they happen to be singing it. Um, but we never, well, we never really knew what impact that choice in that drop-down had in terms of where the music ended up digitally. Uh, perhaps it doesn't mean anything these days. Maybe it's just a label they've always asked. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, it's not like HMV used to be where you'd you'd have the the, the racks of CDs or whatever organised by genre and then alphabetically by band name. Um, I don't think people often go to iTunes to look at a. A genre of music to there. I don't even know where it is in iTunes. Maybe maybe people do. Um, I mean, if you do, you'll find our music all over the place <laughs> over the years. I, I can't. I don't think we've put the same genre choice for that drop down on any of the releases we've ever put up. I think it's always been something different every time. Um, you'll be surprised to learn, perhaps, that Anglo Americana isn't on any of those lists uh, yet. Uh, it's not on a 
It's not on the, the search drop down in iTunes. I mean, not yet anyway. Um, but if you're listening to this podcast, the chances are Anglo-Americana music is some of the sort of music that you're into. Um, so, you know, search it out. Help those artists in this genre make some more noise. If you use Spotify, check out the Anglo-Americana playlist that Steve Bonham is curating. Um, you know, find some new stuff in this Anglo-Americana world that might be up your alley. In these strange times, it's useful to remember that music is one of those vital threads of life. Uh, you know, it can take you to uh, to different places, different different locales, different storylines, different emotional planes. You know, take a moment now and then. Um, embrace it. Enjoy it. Pass it on. On to other things. Um, a reminder, our song from the end of last year, Wrapped Up In You, it's up for a UK Country Music Award 2020, presented by UKCountryRadio.com. Uh, we need you to vote for Wrapped Up In You. So please go to UKCountryMusicAwards.com slash song to vote for Wrapped Up In You. Uh, it's in the list under Steve Bonham. Um, the voting ends at the end of June, so you've got a couple of weeks left now. And don't forget, too, that you can help shape our journey on the Vagabond Way by supporting us on Patreon. If you like what we do, the stuff that we make, head over to patreon.com slash thevagabondway to find out how you can help. Over the last few episodes, I've been taking a closer look at each of the tracks from our new EP, Moonshine Elegy. Um, this week, it is the turn of Moonshine Running. Uh, it's not quite the title track, but it's almost there, halfway there. Um, this was the one we were kind of lining up as the main single from the EP. Um, but, as is always the way it seems, we've been surprised by something else, and it's the uh, it's the ballad of Dwayne and Billy Marie that's... Um, it's really taken off. Just this week, it's become our best-performing song on Spotify with over 35,000 streams. Um, but Moonshine Running, it's a feisty little number, um, I think. Uh, and I think it does a great job of exemplifying that sort of Anglo-Americana sound. You know, there's clearly those American influences, but there's a, an Anglo edge to it as well. On the surface, a frighteningly simple song. Um, the verse and refrain are, are just two chords. Um, always slightly perturbing, I think. Um you know how are we going to make this interesting um but hopefully you'll agree there's enough stuff going on in there um the bridge is a, a little bit more involved the chords veering you off to a, a different place before throwing you back in the deep end of the uh the, the catchy chorus the lyrics of this one paint quite the picture uh, a fantastical tale of three slippery outlaws on the run for running moonshine uh you know that is steve kev and myself um and for the real keen beans amongst you, the uh, recipe to make your own moonshine is there as well, should you be so inclined. For those the long road behind the scenes fact fans out there, um, Steve laid out a, a challenge for the three of us before we went into the studio to play an instrument on at least one track that we've never played on, on a recording before. Uh, and so this track features Kev's brand new instrument. Have a close listen and see if you can spot what it is. Um, let us know via social media if you think you've got it. Um, for me personally, I really enjoy this track. Um, having made our, you know, our music video for it, the, it's up on YouTube. You can check it out. During that process, it does prove a useful test. If you've listened to one track over and over again for hours and hours on end, and it still isn't boring you, then you must be doing something right. Um, and that was the case. I still really, I was still humming it all the way along um, by the time I finished the video. Um, I remember recording the piano part for this one as well, uh, and I was a little bit tentative to begin with. Not really thinking it should 
it would work being quite as bonkers as it ended up um but all them steve kev stewart the uh, the brilliant engineer at woodworm studios they were all egging me on saying yep yeah, this is great but do more yep yeah, do another take it's great but more mad go you know just break free um okay so i did uh, and I, I was convinced there'd be this huge cleanup job you know to cut between the different takes and make it anything palatable um but actually, you know, when all the ingredients came together, it's a fairly wild ride, uh, but it's certainly moonshine. So, anyway, here we go. Moonshine running from Steve Bonham and The Long Road. Way up in the backwards where the pines, they stoop so low. There's ghosts there in the shadows, moving mighty slow. Tom Dooley grave, a mobile waste to drive Someone took the motor out for the Cadillac inside Singing moonshine, moonshine, take a little drop Take a jug of whiskey, you will find that you can stop Moonshine, moonshine, take a little drop Take a jug of whiskey, you will find that you can stop Side rolls, the fires light up the sky All the columns are burning, you can't help to wonder why Someone's been a-snitching, someone told the law Sneaky Jim, what do you think of him, creeping out the door? Moonshine, moonshine, take a little drop Take a jug of whiskey, you'll find that you can stop Moonshine, moonshine, take a little drop Take a jug of whiskey, you'll find that you can stop
Rogue Revealed this week, a look back at a song that Steve and I used to perform regularly when we uh, first got back on the road. Um, and just to be contrary, for the first time I shall say, it isn't one of my favourites. Even though it is a good song, and I've always enjoyed playing it live. Um, it's been several years since we last performed it. Uh, but I think if I think if your favourites list just does keep on getting infinitely longer, the notion becomes a bit meaningless, doesn't it? But then... Perhaps you don't need to worry about having favourites, Bish. Just enjoy what you enjoy when you enjoy it. Wise words, Bish. Wise words. Um, even though this song was born out of the early days of of Steve's revival into the musical world, back when uh, you know that label folk was the main descriptor people would use, um, I definitely think this song that's coming up. It's called "Take the First Step." I think it fits really well into the world of the Long Road. Now fits into that Anglo Americana vibe. Um, it's got some lovely turns of phrase in the lyrics, uh, great bluesy chords, chucks long at a great old pace, uh, even more so when we did it live. Um, and again, fact fans, this is another song from those early days when Kev was playing bass on this session, um, back when we were recording these songs in, in Ireland, um, and Kev flew over from Spain to join us. Um, and you know what, this song, it always drew the audiences in, and that's one of the things that Steve goes on to talk about in just a second before we play the song. The relationship between audience and performers is vital. And as Steve goes on to say, uh, perhaps that relationship just isn't replicable in a in a live stream environment over the internet. You know, being in two different rooms, you may not be able to get that same um, interaction, that same level of rapport in a relationship. Um uh, okay, so just to play up the theatrics of the podcast for a moment, I shall hand over to Steve in a theatrical fashion. Um, oh, and during Steve's bit, when Steve refers to you in this segment, he's referring to me, the bish, um, as these segments are normally sent as little missives to me. Um, so here comes the theatrical bit. So, good morning, Steve. How are you feeling today? Feeling a bit groggy this morning. I, I woke in the night to, to, to the distinct impression I was being... Um, rather molested and I couldn't work out what was going on and then I discovered that I'd actually was sleeping on top of a microphone um, very disconcerting uh, that microphone was there because uh, the previous evening I'd, I'd been doing one of these online gigs um, they'd gone well about 500 people had listened to it which was, which was lovely uh, it was really lovely um, but I'd, I'd done the gig in my bedroom because that's the quietest part of the house and I got myself all set up. So it was like sleeping in the middle of a studio. Uh, anyway, it got me thinking about uh, about these online gigs. Everyone's doing it, you know. It's a great leveller. It's a great leveller. When you see people like Mick Jagger or uh, Beyonce or anyone else, then, you know, you think, wow, that's that's where you live, eh? <laughs> and it all looks as chaotic, whatever, whoever's doing it, whether they, they're the biggest act on the planet or, or, or the guy down the road, we, we all look uh, incredibly unprepared and confused by the process. And it's impossible to wrap it up in smart technology. Um, it's a bit like, you know, when the curtain goes back on the Wizard of Oz and he turns out to be his grumpy old man. Still, I suppose it gave us an insight into other people's worlds. Uh, who'd have thought that Mick would have kept a stuffed walrus in his downstairs toilet? Or, or Beyonce had an inflatable sofa? Well, there you go. I guess the doomsayers are all saying, oh, this is the end of live performance, all the, all the venues are going to close, and uh, 
and we'll all be online from here on in and this is the brave new world in one sense it's it's not really the virus and lockdown that, that's sort of led to that feeling it, it's been going on for some time now live venues have struggled and uh, there, are, there are many many different reasons for that lots of demands on people's time I actually think the open mic uh, culture, uh, seemingly democratic, but it actually basically means a a venue gets free music. Um, And that music too often is uh, some old guy or some young guy bringing along his long-suffering girlfriend and his joshing mates to listen to him play Wonderwall, uh, usually the wrong chords. so that might be it then, I guess. No more, no more, no more, no more live venues. So I better invest in some new pajamas and slippers and get these old curtains changed. But I, I think not. I don't. I, I. It'll come back somehow. There's something very human and and very uh, important and essential and deeply ancient about live performances and concerts and things. I mean, musicians, for a start, just have to play live. The the relationship between them and an audience, the immediacy of it, is something special. We're going to force that to happen somehow. And then I do believe the experience of live music with other people, that shared thing, is a unique experience. It's not replaced by sitting on your sofa with a laptop or an iPad or whatever smart thingy. It's not replaced by that. You you can't get that rapport because actually a great gig is as much about the audience as it is about the musician and it's unique and specific and in that moment of time and it can't be repeated and uh, it will happen somehow. That special moment. It, 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 I remember doing a gig with you once years ago and we were, going to, we were doing the... Um, we were doing the song uh, "Take the First Step," and um, it on the, when we recorded, we did had that marvelous drummer Jimmy Higgins play, and it was great. Of course, with just you and me, then it wasn't it wasn't possible because neither of us could play the drums like that. Um, and so we got the audience to, to to start clapping, and and actually what they did. We got them to do was to do the, the, a rip off of Queen. Uh, we will rock you. Boom, boom, ba. Boom, boom, ba. Boom, boom, ba. Boom, boom, ba. God, it worked. God, it worked. And 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 as the gig finished, and there was a this old fellow walking out the door, and he says, "Thank you very much." And he looked at me. He went, "Boom, boom, ba." Magic, irrepeatable. Irrepeatable, yeah, not repeatable. Whatever. There you go. Why don't we listen to it? You might be the last gunslinger swaying out the last salute, hitching up to the broken mare, ride out on a mocking moon. Around in the rolling desert storm, the coyote house say a prayer. You'll greet another dawn. Gotta take the first step toward the rattle of the train. The first step as the jailer calls again. The first step when the service comes to town. The first step as the ship goes down. You might. 
or not i can't believe it but it's that time of the week again and kev's cafe corner so today dear listeners i think i'm going to whisk you away to san francisco in the year of 1998 when i was touring the states with uh, the punk band the gonads featuring the inimitable gary bushel on vocals and we Toured the the East Coast first and worked our way up and down there, going up as far as Maine, I think, and playing CBGBs in New York and uh, all points in between. Then we flew over to the West Coast to play Long Beach, San Francisco, etc. I think we were at the, the Cocodre Club in San Francisco near the Pointy Skyscraper, if you know that one, which is um, immortalised on the cover of the Doobie Brothers album Living on the Fault Line. But I digress. 
As I was out in, in San Francisco, we had several days to explore the place and, and such an incredible city it is. Probably one of my favourite cities on the planet, uh, despite the dangers of uh, earthquakes. It's a truly fantastic place. And I went to the Chinese quarter there and uh, had some great meals in the in the Chinese quarter. An incredible music shop there, Amoeba Records, which is basically like a giant Asda, but it only sells records. And you go around with a big shopping trolley. It was deadly for me. I came back with suitcases full of albums. But on this one occasion... We were out in the evening, I think it was, it might have been after a show, but I, I don't think so. Anyway, it was an evening in San Francisco. And uh, I wandered off on my own because I was getting a bit bored. And I wandered into this particular area, which I came to learn much later was called the Mission District, which back in 98 probably wasn't the best place for somebody like me to wander about. And I found this small sort of cafe pizzeria place on the edge of a street and just chilled out, got a coffee and a slice of pizza, well, a few slices of pizza, actually, and sat um, at a table just on the sidewalk there. And this homeless woman came sort of wandering by and engaged me in conversation, quite an old lady. And I shared my pizza with her. She was an absolutely fascinating woman. And at first glance, you would have probably, if you had a... A cold heart probably just walked on by, you know. She she really looked like she was, well, had nothing. And in fact, probably had very, very little indeed. And But as she began to speak, her personality and humanity shone through. And I spent a good hour just talking about anything and everything and nothing to her and sharing my food with her. And... I wandered back, said my goodbyes, wandered back and eventually found the guys who were having absolute kittens. Where have you been? Mission District, going absolutely crazy that I'd done such a crazy thing. But it was one of the most rewarding detours of that tour for me to spend time with somebody on the other side of the divide, somebody who had nothing and communicate on the same level and share a simple meal together. I can't remember the name of the place, and in fact it doesn't really matter, but it's probably just a nice life lesson that you can wander into these cafes. They're like the crossroads of the world, aren't they, where people of different walks of life can meet, exchange stories, and just balance the scales once in a while. See you next week. this week and as promised some rather delicious english muffins have made their way through my kitchen this week i was pleasantly surprised with how well they went i do remember many years ago tried to make crumpets from scratch and and for some reason in my head crumpets and muffins are just so closely associated perhaps just because they're next to each other in the supermarket i don't know anyway um that attempt to make crumpets it didn't go well as far as i recall can't remember why but it just didn't go well so i think i've always associated 
attempting to make muffins the same as when I made crumpets. It wasn't going to be going really well. To be honest, they are quite different bread products, really. Um, it's funny how the brain hangs on to certain things, you know, for years, it seems. Uh, it makes me think back to my, my very first piano teacher um, and the early lessons learning some of the Italian terminology that you're forced to learn. Um, you know, there are some links here which I still remember. This is perhaps 30 years on. Um, so the Italian term dolce, which means sweetly, um, my piano teacher introduced to me by asking, what do little children play with? Dolls, she said after my initial unsure silence. And what are little children? Sweet, she answered herself. I mean, okay, I still remember this interaction 30 years on, so maybe she did nail it and got me to learn exactly what I needed to learn with apparently an unforgettable story. Um, I wasn't convinced at the time, though. Um, the, the other one was the Italian term andante, used as a, a tempo marking, a, a speed indication. Um, again, my teacher, she suggested a, a way of remembering that andante means at a walking pace. Uh, I can't quite remember how the notion formed in her story, but um, ultimately the punchline was this. What do your uncle and auntie like to do? Go for a walk, she said. Um, I suspect I nodded politely, um, but, God, thinking about it, yet again, 30 years on, I still remember both the story and the meaning, so perhaps she was actually spot on in her method on both occasions. Darn. However, to counter that, I'm afraid I never, ever got to understanding the simple duple, simple triple, compound duple, compound triple, whatever shenanigans, uh, to do with time signatures. I remember she was obsessed, in my head, with flash quizzes on this stuff. Uh, I'm afraid she did seem frustrated when I both got the answers wrong to her questions um, and offered a, I'm really sorry, I don't know, I can't remember, terribly sorry um, excuse. Um even today, I'd have to really sit down and process the parts of those words to get my brain to understand it. But uh, in this day and age, who refers to that stuff anyway? You know, it's 2-4 or 3-4 or 4-4. Four, four. Um, you know, all that stuff. Or 6-8 or 12-8 or whatever. Uh, perhaps there is somebody that still cares whether it's simple or compound or duple or whatever, but it has that its situation has yet to arise for me in, in my lifetime. Anyway, back to the muffins. Uh, you know, it's a slightly enriched dough, uh, which was really very damp, even after the first prove. Um, but I stuck with it. You know, I was going to stick to my guns. Um, the recipe said it would make eight muffins, which was a lie, of course. It made six. Um, I didn't have a round cutter. Well, I hope it was round, but, you know, the you know the edge, sort of that wobbly edge. I don't know what to call it. A wobbly edge, not a straight edge. Anyway, um... So I used that to cut my muffins out, uh, and I was worried that this would then have a, a negative impact on the edge of my muffins. Um, but another short prove before cooking them, and the the, the the wobbly edge had smoothed itself out, so no problems there. Uh, oh, the dusting of semolina, that's boring, though. Days later, finding little clumps of semolina hiding throughout the kitchen. Um, now, these muffins, they're not baked in the oven. They're, they're cooked on a hot plate, or in my case, a fairly hefty frying pan, dry. Um, six minutes on each side or so until golden brown. Um, when you do the first side, the, the top rises up into a dome, and you think you've tanked it, ruined it, boom, throw them away. But once you flip them, um, the dome gets flattened, uh, and you end up with muffins exactly as you'd expect, actually. You know, leave them to cool, split, toast, slather with, yes, say it with me, slather with butter, 
and boom, delicious homemade English muffins. A delight with a, a poached egg, some ham, uh, hollandaise sauce, uh, which I'm sure I've mentioned on here before. It's far too terrifyingly easy to make. Just an excuse for more butter, really. Uh, so yeah, English muffins, a hit, a palpable hit. I also did another quick batch of um, fruited tea cakes uh, to try to get the shape a little bit better, to sort out the fruit content. I actually did up the, um, the spicing a fraction as well. The shape was closer, but still not perfect. Um, I didn't bother with the egg glaze this time. Uh, it was totally fine without it. Um, I think I need to be bolder with the shape before they have their second proof, though. They need to be flatter at that stage. So when they rise a bit, and then when they rise when they're baked, it's the, it's the spot-on shape. Now, the bloody fruit. Um, I need to seek some advice on how better to incorporate this. The recipe says to knead it in after the first proof. But what I find is so much of the fruit ends up on the outside of the the, the, the buns, the finished tea cakes, um, and they either fall out during baking or they balloon up and turn crispy black and a little bit bitter um, and then fall off after baking. Um, they're all on the outside. Um, maybe, perhaps, the fruit can go in earlier, can go in with all the ingredients at the start, um, or perhaps maybe partway through that first need before the first prove. Mm. Perhaps I should experiment, and I'll get back to you. That wraps up this week's Ramblings. Thanks very much for listening, as always. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Um, the next episode will be out next week, Friday the 12th of June, 2020. Let us know what you think. Find The Vagabond Way or Steve Bottom on the Long Road on Facebook. That is our main social media channel. Check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash The Vagabond Way. Remember, if you use Spotify, please follow us on Spotify. It really does help with the algorithms. Uh, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of things that we make. So, become a vagabonder. That is our name for our supporters on Patreon, to help us create music, live performances, books, short stories, this weekly podcast, and some new things we're cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive livestream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within. Patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. (laughs) 